Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. It is great to have you as always. This episode is brought to you by Jarvis Landry's birthday weekend touchdown. It is also brought to you by Zabo Apparel Company. You need your Cleveland gear, you know where to go. S-Z-A-B-O-Apparel.com. This episode, Raleigh and I break down our victory over the Jaguars. We then bring on Jimmy Morris, who is the host of the number one Titans podcast in the world, home run throwback, to break down our upcoming game against Tennessee this Sunday. Let's get into it. Let's go. I still believe through the cold and through the heat, through the rain and through the tears, through the crowd. All right, now you can go. Are you sure? It's recording now. Like you got to wait till I hit the button, and then you say not start while I'm hitting the button. Ah, oh. this is not being edited out either. Oh, threat neutralized. Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. Last week you joined us, the Dogs of War, Raleigh, Kevin. I'm Raleigh. This is Kevin. Hello. Well, that's Kevin. Rather, last week was the uh, Thanksgiving special. Kevin, this week, do you know what week this is? Uh, it's a victory Wednesday, and it's also an eight and three week. It's the fucking eight and three special, baby. Let's go. I, you know, I, this has happened one time in my life. Are you sure? Or, what, it, I, I don't think eight and three's been for like since the seventies. Well, I think we haven't seen eight wins since what two thousand seven. Correct. Have not seen eight wins since two thousand. And before that, we never. What was it? Two thousand and two. We went. Uh, nine and seven. That's right. So, okay. I'm still considering it like the first time in like my real adult life. Yeah, no, it's regardless. We're celebrating. We're partying. Cheers. We are five games above 500. That's insane. It's unbelievable. And and we're not going to have a losing season either. We're we're not. Yeah, exactly. If we lost the remainder of our games, which Please, God, don't let that happen. Don't even think about that. Knock on wood. Don't worry. I got so many superstitions to counteract that. We're 500. You got it. It's fucking sick. Speaking of which, I I can't even describe. Okay, let me back that up. I found out a lot of people I would never have guessed listened to this podcast over the weekend when they started texting me or DMing me like, how does he do this thing with the egg? Can you explain the egg and how this started, why this started? Oh, yeah. Um, so for those of you that don't follow Angry Browns me on Instagram. Um, it's not Angry Browns me. It's Angry Browns fans, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but it's me. Um, basically, for the, the Sunday mornings, I have kind of a ritual. I am unhealthily superstitious and... One week, I don't remember which week it was, I put a, I cracked a raw egg into a beer and chugged it, kind of like uh, they did in the Wire season two one time. And we won, so I kept doing it, and we won each time I've done it. The one time I skipped it, we lost to Oakland. So, you know, I, it's, I attribute a lot of the victories that have occurred in the past however many weeks to that part of the ritual. If you would have whipped out 
an egg at the game because we were at the Raiders game, uh, that would have been something incredible. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I didn't have that foresight. Um, and you're right. We would have won, and I feel bad. But dude, I love I, it. I, I love it. I'm all for it. I could never do it. I don't know how you do it, but I'm all for it. And people were just inquiring, asking the same thing. How does he do it? But, hey, we got a dub. How was your Thanksgiving, first of all? I was magical. Spent it with Kate's family in the Burbs. Nice. Yeah, I um, like to be thankful for it, Kevin. We sure do. I was back home in Cleveland. Got back Wednesday. Came back to Chicago last night, Monday night. Yeah, Thanksgiving was definitely different. I think that's the same for everyone in the world this year. But uh, my Dukes cooked up a fat, incredibly tasty meal. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, it gets like that second or third day leftovers are the day after Thanksgiving is actually almost better to me than Thanksgiving. Cause leftovers, we just make that big plate of just mush and everything's <laughs> together. That's the best. But after like day three and four, it's like, I don't want to see any of this stuff for another year. I'm done. Yeah. Now we are uh, from both ends of the spectrum real quick. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. We have a, the, the, we talked about this last week, uh, but did you have any Friendsgivings this year? No, they all got canceled. So we got one next week or this upcoming weekend, and we decided to leave all the leftovers at her parents um, just so that we wouldn't continue eating it throughout the week. But, Smart. dude, I went for like four platefuls that night. I oh, I had my fair share for sure. I've been avoiding the, the scale like the plague, but I know, I know it's not where I want it to be. Like my chin... There's a third one coming here, and it's coming quick. Oh, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I ended up in the emergency room. Oh, on, <laughs> wait, what? On Friday night? Yeah, it was Friday. It was Friday. Sorry, wait. Are you okay? I'm, I'm, to- I, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. You don't so look I, informed. I woke up. You should have seen me uh, a few days ago. I w- went to bed Thursday night, and my eye was bothering me. Um. Oh, wait, when did I go to the – I don't know what night it was, whatever. I think it was Friday. I went to bed Thursday night. My eye was bothering me. I wore daily contacts. I was like, all right, every once in a while, your eyes just get irritated by your contacts. I didn't think anything of it. It was a little red, scratchy. Took my contacts out, went to bed. Woke up the next morning. My left wait, This eye- is Thanksgiving night you went to bed? Yes. Okay. So woke up the next morning. It was still really bothering me. It was my left eye, so I didn't put that contact in, put one in. I'm walking around like a, a goon with one contact in. Um we went out, we had uh, an igloo reservation, which is actually, it, they're sweet. If you haven't done one yet, we need, to, we need to do one here in Chicago. Uh, had an igloo reservation at around the corner, shout out around the corner. Uh, went there with some people and my eye just kept getting like worse and worse and worse. I went to a tree farm before uh, with my brother, his in-laws, my mom. Uh, I cut down the Christmas tree literally with one eye. Like I remember like cutting, sawing it down and saying, I, I can't see. I'm doing this by like, <laughs> there's been so we're going to get to your part of the story. Obviously it's your story. I have no idea where this is going, but you have said more things that I've, it's taken a lot for me to not jump in and be like, what the fuck is an igloo reservation? Holy shit. You cut down a tree with an ax. Anyway, that sounds like pretty yeah. So that, that's, I couldn't, I literally couldn't see that point in the, in the sun, but that was before uh, we went to the igloo. Igloo, uh, they're like the big plastic igloos that bars are buying to put outside. Like they have heaters in them and it's like eight people max and it's like an outdoor, but indoor tent. Uh, so that was sweet. So with that, we had that reservation at like five thirty. come like seven thirty, you know, I'm a few barley pops deep. 
uh, my eye is like completely swollen shut at this point. Like I can barely see out of it. So I ended up going home just to watch the fights that night, the Tyson and the Jake Paul fights with my pops. And after the Tyson fight, my eye was completely swollen shut, like done. Um, and I was like, all right, like I can't sleep like this. So he's like, all right. So we went up to the, the Lakewood ER and we're there, you know, at that point at midnight or one of them, whatever it was, two in the morning, it's all, it's like residents and like nurses, you know, only. So and trap victims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the only one in the ER, the only one there. They go, you know, they're running through the, the questions. They're like, do you smoke? I'm like, no. They're like, do you drink? And I'm like, doc, I've been drinking since five o'clock. So I'm just going to apologize right now for that. They knew I was a little gassed up. Uh, they looked at my eye. They're like, we can't do shit here because you need to go see a specialist. So we set you an appointment at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning down at the Cleveland Clinic at the Cole Eye Center, which I didn't know was like the number one eye center in the country. So I, you know, cruise on down to Cleveland Clinic main campus the next morning. Uh, Doc comes in. He's younger than me, which now we're in a r- world, Raleigh, where doctors are now younger than us a lot of times, which is scary. Uh, Examined my eye, said it was just a, a bad irritation due from the contacts, gave me some drugs, and I'm, my eye's open again. That's a long, dumb story. But, yeah, you know, when you go to the ER, you hope there's a better story to tell. But I'm just going to raise my hand and say there wasn't this time. Well, uh, we have a lot of shitty, lame stories that wind up of us being in the ER. That happens when you're over 30. You're, you're going to true. the ER stories. That, that's the that's the lesson in this. When you're over thirty, you go to the ER for weeks. Saw shit. Glad your eyes okay. It looks great yes, now. Thank you. I can see you again. It's open again. No no explanation of what happened. They're like, we don't know. Just take these drops. So I did. Um, anyway, so if you're still listening, Browns beat Jacksonville twenty seven twenty five on Sunday. What yeah. do you got? Um, for anybody that was upset, they said, "Oh wow, it's Jacksonville." Well, guess what? It was like. Our third string versus their third string. So we got the fucking W. Stop complaining. Um, let's see. Highlights, players of the game. Players of the game. Jarvis, eight receptions, 143 yards, and his first touchdown on the year. Did and you know the that? Birthday boy, I, I actually did. I, I, it reminded me when he scored his touchdown, I was like, wait, is this, is, this is his first one. And his birthday was on Saturday, so happy birthday, uh, Jarvis. I think uh, Dodrick's birthday was that day as well. There's a few Browns birthdays this weekend, but, yeah, big day for Jarvis. Uh, Chubb, 144 yards. Does that sound right? Uh, it was one, 144, yep. Okay, one touchdown, three receptions for 32 yards. Um, Studley and Baker, 258 yards, two touchdowns. Who do you give Kevin the Kevin player of the game to? The Stefanski's jawline player of the year. Excuse me. This is this is new. The Stefanski's jawline player of the week award goes to. Uh, I got to give it to Jarvis because he had his best game of the year. I'm going Baker. I'm going Baker. But it's a toss up. It, it, I mean, it could go to either one of those guys. It was, yeah. He was throwing. I'm just because it was there. Jarvis's yeah. birthday. So uh, okay, let's the and you know what? All right, here we go once again with. And I, He's I, God, I, I'm just, you know, but I was actually, I, I was sort of like laughing out loud. I think I texted you. I was laughing out loud at one point just because, you know, Baker missed a couple, like two throws that maybe weren't that difficult. I never played quarterback in the league, so I don't know. Uh, but he missed some wide open throws, a couple of them. Okay. Did you see the needles he was threading to Jarvis Landry? <laughs> yeah. Did you see the throws? He, all right, my dad made a great point after the game, and I, I was like, I'm, I was like, Baker had those crazy throws, but people are only going to talk about those two stupid ones. And my dad goes, Well, think of it this way: Would you rather have a quarterback that misses those 
two easy throws, which could be easily corrected in practice, and it's very easy to correct, and Baker said that after the game. Or do you rather have a quarterback that could not make those long-ass bombs that he was throwing? I'm taking that all day long. His accuracy in those throws to Jarvis in the one, was it Cadero? Yeah, it was yeah, it was 30-10 like, on our own 38. And these buffoons want to talk about the two stupid little passes. It looked like, look last night. I remember, uh, there's a few times. Now, I'm look, every time I watch an NFL game, I'm calling it out. Like, to people, they don't understand why I'm doing it. But, like, last night, Russell Wilson threw it over the, the end zone of some t- or someone. I forgot. I didn't see that part of the game. And it was like, well, he's not going to ever get touched about that. It's just unbelievable the dumb shit that they're putting out Baker. I thought he played a f- great game. Uh, and he said after the game, he's like, yeah, I screwed those up. Those are passes I got to make, so I'll get better at that. But again, uh, look at those passes he was throwing to Jarvis, Kadir, everyone else, through like five sets of hands. I mean, there were so many times where it had to be within the perfect little window to not get touched or picked by that secondary's hands, and he nailed it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree with that. Well, so at the end of the day, who really gives a fuck about what the announcers think? Yep. We could have come to that conclusion like five years ago. Well, they had a lot of good points five Can years we ago. also not forget the facility was closed for two days last week? <laughs> yeah. They didn't I, practice for two days, all right? Th- this week, we're not going to give those shitheads the time of day. We're no, done talking we're done. about, except, God damn it, now I'm mad I'm, again. <laughs> I felt pretty bad for Harrison Bryant, our rookie. Because he fumbled. That was on him. That he was looks like fumble. a kid. We were talking about how doctors are young uh, looking compared to us, or doctors are younger than us. He's babyface. Most most guys in the NFL at this point are younger than us. We'd still be in the league, but we'd be in the twilights of our career. He looks like a child. Uh, that fumble was caused by a fantastic play by Joe Schobert. Shout out the Schoberts, uh, where he poked it from behind. It was sick. But they kept showing his baby face throughout that fucking game. Like, and Harrison Bryant is the reason the score is closer than it should be. That happened 17 minutes ago, Tom. And it's like, dude, you guys got to stop. A win's like, a win. I know. Was, it, it, was it, I, it, at the end of the year, are we going to look back? Oh, we beat Jacksonville. Oh, but it's only by two points, so we should probably talk about the score. No, it's a win's a win. We are 8-3. and three. The, the people that are trying to like d- dissect these things surgically and think that we as Browns have the the gall to to actually talk <laughs> shit while eight and three just blows me away. And a lot of these people, I guarantee, were not watching the zero and sixteen season. These people that just come jump back on when we finally get good, and now they're trying to talk all this shit. We are eight and three. That's it. That's all there is to say. We're eight and three. Stop talking for sure. Uh, this is drag. I got to ask you that straight up though. They were showing him. A shit ton more than they should have Harrison Bryant right did you notice that too or am I making that up no I saw him plenty like they kept I think they showing showed, him again I, and again yeah. and again um I think we now we don't trash players on here uh but as a on the other side of the ball as a fan base collectively uh credit where due we need to eat some crow and give our boy Sendejo. Sendejo. Sendejo, he played so he, I take it back. He gets the Stefanski Jawline Player of the Week award. Maybe, yeah. So, uh, Sendejo broke up a deep end zone pass in the second quarter and then denied Mike Lennon's two-point conversion pass at the end of the game. Yeah, it was like, like four where have defended? you been? Oh, yeah. it, was, it was his first, the first breakup of the year, and it came in great timing. Uh, so, we as a collective fan base – are eating some krill this week and Sendejo, yeah, credit where due. I haven't said shit out. about I haven't said shit about Sendejo. Neither have I. Well, I think maybe oh, I don't know. Not on the podcast, but 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you personally, I mean, you eat credit, the crow. credit where due. Credit where due. Everyone owes him uh, credit for that game. Uh, okay, got, Good job, Sandejo. I believed in you the entire time. In, in a in a year of 2020 where there's not been many good things happening besides the Browns and your wedding and all this stuff, uh, we got to give a shout out because I was pumped to see Callie Brownson become oh, yeah. the first female to ever coach a position group in NFL history. And the way that the team raves about her is awesome. Like the players love her. Stefanski says that she's like runs the whole facility. And every time he tries to ask her to do something, it's already been done. She's in charge of all the COVID stuff. And she came in and coached the tight ends for the game because our usual tight ends coach just had a baby. So he was offered taking care of that. Uh, so shout out Kelly Bronson. That is awesome. And a good stories like that. Uh, you, we need, especially in the year of 2020. She's just got to teach Harrison Bryant how to hold onto that goddamn ball. No, I'm just kidding. Good job, Harrison Bryant. She's she's a stud, and I was, I was extremely happy for, uh, <laughs> extremely happy for the organization. And yeah, I'm a big. We've we've always been big Cali fans here, but uh, the chief of staff taking over as a positions coach that was awesome. Good stuff. Uh, should we get into this uh, interview? Uh? Let's do it. So tonight we're bringing on Jimmy Morris. He is the host of the number one Titans podcast, Home Run Throwback. We gotta ask what that actually means with regards to football, but we'll find that out. As always, we bring on a podcaster, the best podcaster from the opposing sideline, to break down the upcoming game, which ours is versus the Titans this Sunday. Let's get over to it. We now welcome on to the Dogs of War podcast, Jimmy Morris. Jimmy is a director of content for Broadway Sports, the editor-in-chief of Music City Miracles, which is SB Nation's Titan site, and the host of the number one Titans podcast in the world, Home Run Throwback. Mr. Morris, welcome to the Dogs of War podcast, and thank you, sir, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So you currently are in... Uh, one of the top five cities that everyone up here in the Midwest wishes they lived in, correct? Nashville? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, Nashville has really grown in the last really 10 years, but even 15, 20 years since the Titans came here. It's kind of a different place than it was back then. So are you born or raised in yeah. Tennessee? Or like, what's the history of your fandom with the Titans? Yeah, I've been here my whole life. So, um, you know, when the when the Titans came, they came to Tennessee in 98, They play, or 97. They played 97 in Memphis. And then 98, they played at Vanderbilt. And then 99, they opened what was then Adelphia Coliseum um, and became the Titans that year. They were Tennessee Oilers the first two years they were here. So I was, uh, I guess, sophomore in high school that first year. They were they were in Tennessee. And then my senior year was the Super Bowl run in 99. Shout out Eddie George. There you go. And I know you listeners can't see we're on video here, but Jimmy is wearing a pretty sweet uh, Derrick Henry t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, so shout I, out I appreciate my, that. my guys at Hang TN. I got some awesome stuff, but anyway. And he's also drinking brown liquor. Cheers. Yeah, we all got some yak going here. Uh, so, I hopefully I got everything, uh, all your credentials right there. I, I do my yeah, best yeah, to get the homework right. But uh, so, how when like, how did you start writing a podcast about the Titans? So I started Music Miracles in. I guess 2006. It's funny. The first game, I, I'm pretty sure the first game we were live for was the Albert Hainsworth stomp game when he stomped on uh, whatever the dude for the Cowboys stopped on his head in that game. And it's also Vince Young's first start. So going back kind of a ways there. Wow. But I just came across yeah. SB Nation, actually SB Nation Cubs blog. 
a Cubs fan. And oh, anyway, reached oh, out and got got going on there. So um yeah. So I've been doing this for a long long time in blogger years, I feel like. But yeah, so we've been been doing that for a while. And then we just started Broadway Sports Media this past summer. Um, so kind of a deal, you know, SB nation, like I run the MCM site, but don't have ownership of that site. So we've kind of branched off a little bit to start something that we have an ownership stake in. So anyway, MCM is a pretty, pretty damn big site. You guys have a pretty big following on social and I mean the website in general. So obviously it's been pretty successful down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a good time, and it's it's crazy to see how much SB Nation has grown um, since I started in 2006. You know, it was a, it was just a blogging company, um, and then now it's a, a media thing. That's you know, I, I mean, it's not as big as ESPN or anything like that, but it's it's more of a mainstream media thing now than it was when we first started out. We'll have all the links and all the Twitter handles in the description of this bio, as always, of people listening. Uh, actually, I have a, a off-topic question, kind of. Can you talk about? Hockey is, I mean, hockey is one of my favorite sports, maybe my favorite sport. Talk about the rise of the Predators down there. How do the... Uh, you said hockey is your favorite sport? <laughs> I've played my whole life, yeah. You have a fucking Dayton Flyers podcast, a Cleveland Browns podcast. We don't have a team in Cleveland. I can't root for non-Cleveland teams, so we don't have a... It's my thing. I don't root for non... I can't root for non-Cleveland teams. We'll talk, about that. we'll talk about that later. We'll start a hockey podcast if you want. <laughs> uh, no, but Jimmy, talk about the rise of the Predators. I mean, where I, I obviously imagine they're not equal footing in terms of the fandom there, but those Predators games are out of control. Like, how do they both rank now for the city and the fans? Yeah, so, I mean, the Predators, I can't remember their, what their first year here was, but it was 95, 96, 97, some, sometime around in there. And we actually had a deal where uh, some guy tried to buy the team I can't remember what year it was, but we, I mean, there was a big rally here and the Predators ended up staying and then they got good. They won that Stanley cup run. And yeah. so, I mean, obviously the NFL is bigger than everything, right? So of course. There, the, there's more Titans fans in Nashville than our Predators fans. But when that, when that Predators run was going on, it really felt like the, the Predators were the biggest thing in town because the Titans were bad then and had been bad for a long time. So um, that, that was unlike, I mean, people, a lot of people, like you said, I've been here my whole life. A lot of people don't remember the 99 Super Bowl run. Uh, we got a little taste of it last year going to the AFC Championship game. But, you know, in, in 99 and 2000, the Titans the Titans were better in 2000 than they were in 99. And they lost the Ravens at home. And, like, the that's still to this day my – like the, the most heartbroken I've ever been over a, a sporting – a professional sporting event. Um, leaving you, got little, you got a little payback this year. Yeah, yeah, nice. absolutely. That was, it was, it was awesome. But anyway, so they were really good that year. Um, and, and, you know, that's all anybody here could talk about. And then we, we saw kind of a similar thing with the Predators. And so people that haven't been here as long as I have – Sometimes I get a little bit confused, I think, on how big, like, the difference in how it is. And for some reason, there's a little bit of a rivalry between some Titans fan and Predators fans. I think it's kind of dumb. But, um, you know, like I said, the NFL is the biggest thing. But, yeah, I mean, those Predators games, when you saw those shots down Broadway and it was full, I mean, it was it was awesome uh, to be here for that. And then um, the, 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 the city's really embraced it. And it, it. You know, for the longest time, it was a – you know, we, we didn't have a professional sports team. So it was college – style fans, you know, and so they've kind of carried that over into the hockey thing. So, I mean, it's, it's been really cool to watch the kind of the evolution of what hockey has been in this town. I'm sure you guys are real bored in Nashville, Tennessee, without any sports teams down there. There's just, well, nothing, to, there's just nothing to no, do, you know? Absolutely, but, like, back then, it, Nashville was not what it is today. So it was. I mean, I mean it, it's crazy because we had this thing where for, I don't know, four or five years, they said on average, like, a hundred and some people moved here a day. 
So I mean, it, it's a it's a much different city than it was when I grew up. No, I I, I was kidding. Um, like that, yeah, Nashville is the spot. I mean, but, and, but what I'm saying is like back then when we didn't have any professional sports teams, it was boring here because there was nothing going on. But it's it, it's evolved a lot in the last. I don't even like country music. Yeah, but those triple decker. Uh, <laughs> party buses or whatever, yeah. Those are the coolest goddamn yeah. things I've ever been to. <laughs> there you uh, go. The concept of I remember the first time someone described Nashville to me, it was uh every bar is seven floors and every floor has a different band. And yeah. I just became jealous immediately. Well, and you saw the scene when the draft was here. I mean, it was awesome. Um, oh, absolutely. So, you know, and I, I, I would have loved to have seen what it would have been like in Vegas this year. You know, I did not be for all the COVID stuff. Um, but, you know, still, the, that's the biggest gathering. I don't, I don't know how they figure that, um, how they count the people. But, you know, they said 600,000 people on that first night or whatever were, down that, were downtown. So, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. Oh, that, I forgot about that because that was when they were interviewing and putting all those people on social media that were having their bachelorette parties there that weekend. Yeah, and they were pissed. They didn't know, <laughs> and they're like crying on camera yeah. and just furious and like we hate the NFL now because ruining this for me. Yeah, That's that incredible. Awesome. Yeah. So as Raleigh reminded us a few minutes ago, this is a football podcast, a Cleveland Browns <laughs> podcast. So what I always like to ask people that come on, what we like to ask people that come on here is: so far, you guys are eight and three. The Browns are eight and three. How has this season lived up to your preseason expectations so far? Like, would you guys come in? I mean, obviously, you guys had a, a deep run last year. You're stacked. You got. Derek Henry, you got Tannehill. You know, was it coming in the season? Was it Super Bowl or bust? Or, or what, what was your mind at coming in? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it was necessarily Super Bowl or bust, but expected to win the AFC South. Um, expected to have a better record than last year. I mean, ended up, you know, they were nine and seven last year, but it was kind of once Tannehill took over, uh, you know, once it was obvious that Mariota wasn't the guy and they made that transition. Um, they were a much different team the second half of the season than they were the first half of the season. So um, expected them to improve on that somewhat. Um, and, and so, you know, they're, they're starting to do that. We, they had a little bit of a lull there because, um, the, you know, they were I'm trying to think now. We were, I guess, 6-0 and and then lost to the Steelers, lost to the Bengals in, you know, back-to-back weeks. Um, and then won a game and then lost to the Colts pretty embarrassingly on Thursday night. And the Colts have been the Titans' nemesis for a long time. Um, you know, they, they never beat Andrew Luck. Um, so it was, you know, like a huge celebration here that Saturday night that he announced that he was retiring. I mean, I still remember where I was, what I was doing when I heard <laughs> I it. Why. Because, I, you know, well, I mean, listen, like, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a joke. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I tell the story all the time, but. So, you know, we play, the, I mean, I was Titans play the Colts twice a year. Um, and I, I have a, I have a 12 year old son and two years ago. So before the Jacoby Brissett year, which I guess was, two, you know, two years ago now, um, were Alabama fans also. And the, my, my tenure, he was 10 at the time. He had seen more Alabama national championships than he had Titans wins over the Colts. It's just insane. Like the Titans just never beat them. Um, and, and so that was kind of the thing. And so then, you know, they also have had trouble with Philip Rivers throughout the years. Um, have a, you know, just kind of a meltdown few minutes in that game where you have a 17 yard punt and then a blocked punt and, and, the, and the wheels kind of come off. So they lose that game. And so then you're sitting there at six and three and you're at, at that point, they were, you know, they, they flashed the playoff graphic, um, you know, on, on Sunday night football and the Titans are on the outside looking in because the Browns were six and three and the Raiders were six and three and somebody else. Um, and, and so then it's like, well, crap, now you've got, you've got to go to Baltimore and you've got to go to Indianapolis. Um, and you're sitting at six and three outside looking in. And so it was kind of a, you, you know, a little bit of a panic 
time. And then they were able to go to Baltimore and win. And then obviously won pretty convincingly against the, against the Colts on Sunday. So now kind of back in the spot that we thought they would be. And I mean, I didn't think they were going to, you know, run the table or anything like that, but I thought in this division, the, the Titans are, are, are I thought coming into the season, they were clearly the best team. The Colts have been better than I expected them to be. Phillip Rivers has been a better, a little bit better than what I thought he would be. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's a little bit closer now, but I do, I do still think the Titans are the, are the best team in the, in the division. Um, so now kind of back in the spot that, that I kind of thought they would be in. I mean, I, I would have, if you would have told me before the three game stretch that they were going to lose the first one to the Colts and then win, you know, in Baltimore and in, in, in Indianapolis, I would have, you know, called you crazy, but they were able to do that. And, and this team has a knack for um, losing games they should win. And then kind of in that everybody counts them out type deal. I mean, I don't know if you remember back to, I guess it was week four when the Titans, you know, were the first team to have the COVID problems, um, had to yep. play the, the bills on Tuesday night. The bills at that point were, you know, the, three and oh josh allen was the league mvp i mean you know all that stuff was going on titans yep. didn't get to practice for two weeks and they come out and just put it on the bills you know and, and nobody would have expected that so um you know they, they mike vrabel has a good way of you know kind of when everybody's counting them out he you know is able to circle the wagons and get them fired up for those games so, so they, they've done that the last couple of games but that's what i'm a little bit worried because now you know the titans are back in control of the afc south uh, now you've got a game at home against the Browns who are good, but you know Titans are favored in the game and all, and all that kind of stuff. These are the kind of games that the Titans typically will have trouble with. So I, I say segue because you just set it up with a perfect segue because my next question is about Mike Vrabel, so props to you. Uh, Ohio in general, big big Vrabel people. Right. Um, you know, played for Ohio State. The, the love-hate, the hate part comes because he played for the Patriots, and of course sure. now we're playing against him on Sunday, but overall we're, we're Vrabel people. Uh, so talk to us about, you know, when, when he came in as a coach, I don't know what it was like down in Titans territory, but people were wondering, like, all right, you know, a Belichick disciple, like, he's ever been had, like, how's he going to do? But uh, clearly he's a stud, and some of the things he's done with, what was it, uh, the few, the, with the timeout or whatever he did a few games ago, uh, He's a damn good coach, and did that blow you guys away, or did you? Was that a surprise at all? So he has he he's been really good. Obviously, um, you know the the thing that you heard when they hired him was you know the whole leader of men thing. Like that's what John Robinson, Titan Sheen was looking for, and that was the thing with Vrabel because you know the the resume as far as like coaching, you know, as far as, he was he was he was a coordinator in Houston for one year and they were terrible. Now the, the defense was they had injuries. I mean, JJ uh, Watt was hurt that year. Whitney Merciless was hurt that year. I mean, so there were some things there, but. You know, his one year as a coordinator wasn't good, but he's obviously a good leader. Um, he he knows the game. He is the if you add, and he's he. So people talk about him being from the Belichick tree. He's not technically from the Belichick tree because he's never coached for Belichick. He played for him for a long time, obviously. True, um, but didn't but didn't coach under him. But he has that um, the the knowledge of the game. Um, he has the same approach with the media a lot of times with injuries and that kind of stuff. Like he's not giving us anything uh, when, when it comes to that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, he's done a couple things. Like you mentioned the timeout. It was actually a, they took a too many men on the field penalty. That's right, the penalty. Uh, yeah, 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 to, yeah, to stop the clock. Um, and, and so that way they didn't have to use a timeout anyway. You know, so the, they, he did that. He did the thing last year in the the playoff game in New England where they took basically a delay of a false start and then a delay of game. So basically got to let the clock run for an extra 45 seconds against Belichick, he, against Belichick. And yes. you know, Belichick's in there on the sideline. He's pissed. He's, you know, going nuts. He had done that earlier in the year. Um, Belichick had, 
Uh, and, and, and that's the, actually the second half variables on the too many men on the field thing. Yeah. But so, I mean, obviously he, he has a really good knowledge of the game. Um, he is very, like I said, very good at, at motivation and, and, and all those types of things. Um, they've had some issues uh, early on. He, his in-game decisions are other than that kind of stuff are kind of, I, I don't know, suspect at times. He's gotten better uh, since he started, and I think we were probably too hard on him in the beginning when he was a, when he was a new head coach. But overall, I mean, you have to be thrilled with, with what he's done. Um, this year, they, the Titans don't have a defensive coordinator. Um, Dean Pease retired after last year, and Vrabel and Shane Bowen, who's the outside linebackers coach, who and Bowen's actually the one that calls the plays. But if this is Vrabel's defense, the defense has struggled. So there's been some talk about, they probably need to get a defensive coordinator because that's not necessarily his. It's just not what he's best at. Um, so that there's some some of that kind of stuff. He he does have a big ego and that kind of stuff. But he he has been a very good coach, and you know his record is 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 what it is. He's been very you know they made a deep run last year. So overall, I mean, we're obviously very thrilled to have him. It's always surprising to me when you see someone like Vrabel, who's an absolute stud linebacker. Um, come in and like you just said struggle on defense like not really be able to put together uh maybe the best game plan out there so that's always just interesting to me yeah and i don't know i mean it's been it, it, they've had injuries too so i mean it's hard to it's hard to really say what is that because for a lot of the a lot of the year they didn't have a pass rush uh they've kind of pieced it together and it's gotten better uh in the last couple of weeks um the secondary has been banged up uh, and, and they've they've lucked into a to a corner in Breon Borders, who's been really good, an undrafted guy the last couple of weeks, but struggling with with Jonathan Joseph and, and those types of guys earlier in the year. But there's also like times because if you go back and watch the the Steelers game against the Titans in the first Colts game, like Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers, very similar quarterback at this point in their career, where they want to catch the ball and get rid of it. Like you know, Ben used to hang on to the ball forever and, and all that stuff. He doesn't really want to do that anymore. It doesn't seem like. And so both of those games. I mean, I mean, they're playing these soft coverages, and I mean, I understand not wanting to go with the big play, but I mean, they're it's just dink and dunk all the way down the field, and you know, I don't, I'm not sure how a 15 play drive for a touchdown is that much better than a two play drive for a touchdown, you know. And so last year they were really good at like they weren't their defense kind of struggled between the 20s, but they were really good in the red zone. This year they haven't been good anywhere, and they've been terrible on third down, so that that's really hurt them. Now they they've been better the last couple. Of weeks, um, they were able to get some pressure on Phil Rivers in this last game, uh, where they didn't get any on him in, in the first game. And so when Rivers starts to feel pressure, you know he starts to struggle and see ghosts and all that kind of stuff. So they were able to affect him in that way in this last game, which they weren't able to do in the first game. So hopefully they can translate that going forward. But th- there's just been some of that kind of stuff, and then some of the personnel decisions. They've had a terrible time with kickers and punters, and I mean, just for whatever reason, they can't evaluate special teams guys. Um, so I mean, the, you. You know, Goskowski's been up and down this year, and obviously, I mean, he's been—you know—he's a Hall of Fame kicker. But at this at this point, he's he's struggled a little bit. Now he's on one of his runs now where he's kicking well, so hopefully that that'll stay. But Brett Kern, who is like the best punter in the world, he got hurt on a bad snap a couple weeks ago, and they were bringing punters in and out, and it was just the whole thing. So um, some of that stuff has has they they've had some trouble with. But like I said, overall, I mean, you got to be happy with what Brable's done. Jimmy, where do you uh, see yourself? matching up well with the Browns matchups you're looking forward to see and which matchups are you dreading if any yeah I mean the thing that so uh, defensively um, the Titans are 
better against they, they stack up better against a team that runs the ball really well and that is not as, as strong of a passing game okay so I, I think from that standpoint I mean I'm not going to say that the Browns aren't going to be able to run on the Titans because I think they are and the Titans are not great against the run but if you give me uh, if you t- if you ask me if I want like a, a passing attack that can that can attack you like the Steelers did um, a few weeks ago or a rushing attack like the like the Browns have I would rather play against the rushing attack game so I mean I, I think that that they'll they'll be better suited to stop this Browns offense than they are some other teams. Like I said, the biggest problem has been third down. I mean, for I haven't looked at it since the the games on Sunday, but before that, the Titans had the worst third down defense in the history of football, like literally. And it wasn't even like you know we're not talking about like third and three, third and two, third. I mean, they were giving up third and twelve, third and seven, third and fifteen. I mean, it was like whenever it was third down, it was just it was a disaster. So they they've shored that up a little bit. They've been better on first, second down too. Um, so that kind of stuff. So I mean, I think that'll be good. What I worry about is the Browns' pass rush because the Titans are down to their third left tackle. Um, Taylor Lewan, you know, who's a Pro Bowl guy, towards ACL, he's been out. And then the guy, Tyson Brelo, that came in for him, he had a, he got an ankle injury two weeks ago. He's out for the year. So now you're down to the, to the third guy, Dan Questenberry, who's played well. I mean, he played well on Sunday, but still he's a third-string guy for a reason. So you, you worry a little bit about that. Um, they, they've had some other injuries on the offensive line. Those guys have gotten healthier. Ryder Saffold, the left guard, had, had been banged up, but he played pretty well on Sunday. I think he's back to being healthy. The center, Ben Jones, has been banged up. He seems to be better. Dennis Kelly, who's playing right tackle, um, had been banged up as well. And he's not great, but he's kind of a, a just a serviceable guy. So that, that's kind of the thing that you worry about is can they protect Ryan Tannehill? Now, you know, if Derrick Henry can go for 140 and three touchdowns in the first half, it doesn't matter. But I, that's not going to happen every week. So um, I, I just, I, I'm a little bit nervous about how they're going to hold up against a, against a good pass rush. So you you sold that well, uh, but you guys had your two quarterbacks go down earlier in the year, but now Malcolm Butler and Breon Borders are currently ranked in the top five for all corners in the NFL, with Breon being number one. Uh, so that's something that you know when the Browns lose players. Uh, we don't have the replacements come in and be the top in the league. So is that a big surprise for you guys? Tell yeah, us I mean, about listen, what, like, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, yeah, okay, so the Titans, you know, they, they felt good about their corner group coming in because you've got Malcolm Butler, who is what he is, right? I mean, he's streaky. Um, it, there are times where he's going to look terrible, and there are times where he looks like, you know, one of the best guys in the league. Um, and he's been that guy throughout his career. They ha- they have a Dory Jackson who, um, you know, is, is in his fourth year, uh, really came on at the end of the year last year. They were expecting big things out of him. But he started the season with a knee injury. Then they put him on IR. They brought him they, – they moved him to the, you know, designated to return list um, before the Steelers game. And then he practiced that week, and then didn't they didn't activate him that week, and then he practiced on Monday the next week, and then we didn't see him again. And so they again, Vrabel doesn't give us anything on injuries, so we don't. They wouldn't say he had a setback. The only thing he would say was whatever is going on with him is not going to keep him out for the year. So they've you know they've they've activated him, but he's been inactive. They've activated him to the roster, but he's been inactive uh, for three games now: the first Colts game, the Ravens game, the second Colts game. So um, I don't know what his status is. He hasn't practiced, so I don't I don't know if he'll be ready to go this week or not. They had Jonathan Joseph out there who was absolutely terrible, so they cut him. 
Um, Breon Borders was a guy that was just kind of buried on the depth chart. They brought him in in training camp. He was pretty good. Kept him around. Called him up from the practice squad. And it, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been serviceable. He's been good. So that's obviously you know been a good find for them because if you look at what the Titans did this off season. Um, for as much as we like John Robinson as our GM, and, he, and he's really good, this offseason was a disaster. Um, they needed to improve the pass rush. They signed Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley didn't show up for 10 days for no reason at camp, got fined like $500,000, and then basically just you, didn't try. And so finally they just cut him because it was like, well, we gave you $9.5 million. You know, th- thanks for coming in, but if you're not going to try, we don't want to keep you around here. Then, you know, they signed Clowney. The whole Clowney thing went on for, it seemed like, three years. Yep. Uh, they signed Clowney. Uh, you know, the, the three of us combined have as many sacks as he does on the year. He's on IR. <laughs> Um, with a knee injury, but listen, I mean, he was, he at least, uh, I mean, you know, this is a low bar, but he at least tried. It felt like where busy wasn't even trying, but you know, they weren't getting what they needed out of him. Um, wait, wait, that's the most Browns thing you could ever say. He at least tried. Yeah, I mean, no, it's serious though. Like they basically literally that's that, our I mean, line. That's our line. Don't yeah, take that from us. They, they literally, I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't try. So they cut him like, cause you can't have that guy in your locker room. But anyway, so, so that's your, those are your two big ticket free agent guys in the off season. And so, again, you know, between the two of them, you paid them $20.5 million, and they have zero sacks. And one of them's not on the roster, the other one's on IR. Okay, whatever. So now you get to the draft, right? Isaiah Wilson, first-round pick, right tackle. Um, He comes in, uh, goes to a party at Tennessee State University, which is in Nashville, gets on the COVID list, um, comes back. Then he gets a DUI for doing donuts downtown in the middle of the night, you know. And so then they put him back on the COVID list. I don't really think that they were supposed to do that. They was on the COVID list for like three weeks. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, well, then, so he hadn't even been active for a game until this past, or no, the first game he was active for was the Ravens game. And that was only because th- they were down so many offensive linemen. I mean, it wasn't, the, they don't want him in the game, but they had to have him active. They needed bodies. And so he's now played, uh, I think, three snaps. I think he played three snaps in Indianapolis. One of them was on field or an extra point team where he got knocked on his butt. Um, and then he was in for the two kneel downs at the end of the Colts game. Um, so that, that's what you've gotten from your first round pick. He was the, the, the him and Jordan Love, you know, the Packers quarterback, were the only two first round picks that hadn't taken a snap yet. So, you know, he beat him. So good job. Um, the Christian Fulton was our second round pick corner out of, out of LSU. Who, I mean, I, I, we still think it's going to be good. I mean, he's just been injured. Hasn't been able to play. Darrington Evans is a running back, uh, Appalachian state third round guy, uh, you know, kind of a compliment to Derek Henry receiving all that kind of stuff. He's been hurt. So, I mean, they've gotten nothing from anything they did this off season. So really for them to be where they are with that, Kind of stuff is is pretty remarkable. It's a testament to the roster John Robinson had built before those guys, and then you know what the the players that are here, the coaching staff, all that have been able to do. So um, you know, I mean, it, it's been wild from from that standpoint. But I mean, they're eight and three, so that's good, right? <laughs> I think every LSU player that was drafted in the last two years is currently hurt. Yeah, uh, we have Greedy's been out. Uh, we're missing uh, some LSU boys ourselves. So now that you say that, and with, with uh, Joe out too, there's a lot of LSU boys hurt right now. It's unfortunate. I want to ask about two previous games before we get into our predictions here, and we'll let you get back to your normal life eventually, we promise. Uh, my first question, Raleigh will take the, a game that happened in 2015. I want to ask about the game, the season opener last year, which I was at. Um, was do you th- those massacres? 
Oh, just, I still have, you know what? I, I hate to show a, a weakness here, but I'm going to. I still have PTSD. Uh, cause exactly where I was sitting on the 50 yard line, just watching this seven foot three, 300 pound blur that is Derrick Henry take that like 90 yard shot down. It's him just like zooming by. And I, that I right there, I was like, oh, we're in some trouble here. Yeah. Actually, but, you go first. I'll go second. My story. Yeah. My question. Yes. Yeah, what I just said. Oh, okay, My nice. question is, Dean, this is cool for either of you two. Do you think we can top the amount of flags that were thrown that game this Sunday? No, I mean the good thing is they're not calling. When we set the anymore. record, the NFL record for most flags in a in a football game. Yeah, yeah. Because then somebody, some of the Browns got kicked out of that game, right? It was it like shot to the head with? Uh, yeah. Is it that? Uh, is it the weed guy? We had a lot of issues. That yeah. I, anyway, I mean, guy? like you know they, they don't they don't call holding anymore so hopefully we uh we won't see that again yeah we had like game, 18 penalties or so it was absurd it was just it was listen, absolutely absurd that game like i talked about earlier was the perfect example of a game that mike Vrabel can get his team up for because i mean i'm sure y'all remember like the the browns were super bowl champions last year before the season started right and so that's all anybody wanted to talk about was the browns and listen i mean i got a special place in my heart for freddie kitchens like i said i'm a, an alabama fan even though he was terrible as a quarterback in alabama but um <laughs> Uh, he know, won a so, bourbon bowl. He won a bourbon bowl or two, didn't he? Or not yeah. bourbon bowl. I'm thinking of the movie. The iron bowl. Uh, iron the bowl. iron yeah, bowl. I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking of happy water, 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 right. boy. water boy. Sorry. Um, Same but, thing. But yeah, but like I said, that, that, that was a perfect variable game where, you know, everybody was on the Browns. The Browns are awesome. They're going to Super Bowl, all that stuff, you know, and the Titans just go in there and, and whoop them. And listen, uh, I mean, <laughs> y'all got to see one of the, the few Marcus Mariota good games uh, in the last couple of years that he was here. So, I mean, I, I guess you got that to, to be thankful thank, for. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Wait, before, before Raleigh jumps in, I just, you, you brought up a point that I think we made this on the podcast last year was that we said, if there's any coach in the world, who's going to just be pissed off and have bulletin board material about this, you know, Browns are a playoff team and it's going to be variable. He's going to get these guys up to come play that game. And it's exactly what he did. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, like I said, that Bills game earlier this year where, you know, everybody hated the Titans because, you know, the Titans, they got, you know, they got COVID and then they, they got together and had a workout after they weren't supposed to. And, you know, people were writing pieces about how they should kick them out of the league and all that <laughs> stuff. And like I said, Josh Allen's the greatest quarterback in the world and all that stuff. I mean, you, you just, I mean, listen, I didn't have a good feeling about that game going in, but then like afterwards thinking back on it, I'm like, I should know. I should have known because, uh, you know, it was we all we got was kind of their thing after the game that a bunch of players were saying. And, you know, that's what they were preaching all week. And so, again, same deal there when, you know, like I said, anytime, anytime he can, Brable can find something like that to, to rally the team on, he's going to do it. I mean, that's all you can ask for, really, as a head coach. Like, yeah, he's, sick of doing, he's sick of doing that and then just hire the other guys to run the defense and the offense. Yeah. And there you go. So – a historical Browns reference in 2015. The Cleveland Browns recorded the greatest road comeback in NFL history against the Titans. I was at that game. It was on the annual guys trip for dudes. Um, yeah, down 28 to three. I kind of led that up like with the reverse uh, suspense it should have had by telling it was the greatest road comeback in NFL history already. Do you recall that game? And is that is that a dark spot in your history as much as it is a highlight in my history? Hold on, that wasn't the 2015 game. The Browns won 28-14. No, 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 no. When we were getting our asses kicked, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm trying to. 
I'm trying to find it was, that. It was 28-29. So I think it was the greatest comeback, road comeback. Road comeback. In regular season. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, you got to understand, man. Like, up until the last couple <laughs> years, we didn't have many wins ever. So, like, this one will always be on the refrigerator for us. No, no, I get you. I'm just – I remember that game because – I mean, you, you, those kind of things stick out in your mind. Um, and, and it was, I mean, listen, that, that was a, during a point where the Titans were terrible. Um, I mean, the Titans, you know, I mean, I was, everybody likes to back on this for me. Don't you dilute this for right, me. Right. No, I mean, I'm just saying everybody likes to back on the Browns, right? For all the different stuff. And you've seen the, the, the quarterbacks and, and all that stuff. But like the Titans went through a, a, a period where from, I mean, they didn't, they didn't get to the playoffs from 2008 until, I guess, 2018. They had a 10-year playoff drought. Didn't win a playoff game, at, you know, for like fifteen years. So I mean, it, it was kind of a deal. And so, if you know, of, you know what teams yeah, podcast no, you're on I, right I now. I understand. I understand. So, <laughs> I'll keep you in my prayers, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Oh yeah, um, but uh, you, you know, but I mean, you know, anyway, all that to say, you, you understand that like that there Absolutely. are things that happen, and you're like, well, I mean, that, that's about right, you know. Like you don't even you you get mad kind of while it's like starting to happen and then by the time it gets to where you you, re- you know what's about to happen you just kind of accept it you know it's like let me just sit here and take it okay um, i was, I was so gonna say sorry to cut you off i was gonna no, say good. this to kevin before the c uh, before the episode we always say it sounds like we're talking to the exact same fan base but we've said that like five fucking interviews <laughs> in a row and i'm like we got to stop saying that because it's diluting every time we say that but what you just described there that's true. so spot on where you're like yeah no that that would happen why wouldn't that happen? I yeah. know exactly what you're saying. 100%. So before we jump into predictions, and like I said 20 minutes ago, we'll let Jimmy get back to his life. Uh, we were remiss not to bring up the he- the true heavyweight matchup this Sunday is Chubb versus the guy on your T-shirt, Derrick Henry. Talk to us about Derrick Henry, and, I mean, there's not much you have to say. He's just an MVP candidate, and he's an absolute freak of nature. Someone that big should not be able to run that fast. Yeah, so I mean that's the thing. Like you know, the the big debate in the league right now, and especially around here over this past offseason, was whether or not you can pay running backs, right? And listen, we can go through the list of guys that have gotten big contracts that have sucked. I mean, the Titans paid Chris Johnson after he had two thousand yards, and then he laid down, and like it was over. And so, I mean, you know, you can you can look around at guys around the league right now. You got your Todd Gurley's. Uh, David Johnson. I mean, we, we can go through the list of guys that have huge con- Ezekiel Elliott, even um, that have huge contracts that it's not working out for them or their team. I don't think it's always necessarily their fault. But so that, that was kind of the, the, the big thing around here was what do you do with Derrick Henry? Because initially they, they you know, they gave him the franchise tag. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, what's the, you know, how, how does this play out? Because I, th- I think they knew at the end of the year last year, especially when you saw what he was able to do in the first two playoff games, and I didn't go as well in Kansas City. But, you know, he ran over the, the Patriots, he ran over the Ravens, um, and he had been doing that for the last, you know, four or five weeks of the regular season as well. Um, so th- they knew that they had something special. Um, they started to, I guess, kind of, you know, zig when the rest of the league was zagging. Hey, everybody's going light spread it out, throw the ball around the yard. We're going to go heavy and we're, and we're going to run down your throats. Right. Um, and, and so they, they knew that they had something special and Ryan Tannehill was good. He's good in the confines of this offense with Derrick Henry. I mean, I, I think all those things are, are certainly true. Um, so the, 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 the kind of the, the prevailing thought was you, you franchise him for 2020 
you franchise him for 2021, and then you kind of see where it is after that. So basically, you know, you're paying him ten and a half million was was what he would have paid played under the franchise tag for this year. Then you know it it increases a certain percentage if you franchise him for a second year in a row. And so that was kind of what we were expecting that it was going to happen um, as we got toward the you know the deadline for reaching a long term deal. And then right at the very end, they were able to basically put a deal together that guaranteed him a little bit more money than what he would have gotten on those two franchise tags, but give the Titans a, a pretty good out after next year. Um, so I mean, it, it was a really well done deal. I think Derrick Henry is different. Um, like you said, I mean, I mean, you don't expect somebody that big to be able to run that fast. And I mean, I, being, being out of training camp and seeing him, I mean, he looks like a linebacker. He doesn't look like a running mm-hmm. back. And you see these videos of him, you know, that he posts on Instagram where he's, you know, you know, deadlifting all this weight and he's running <laughs> up sand dunes and throwing mess. I mean, you know, there's all this ridiculous stuff that he does. And so I, I just think he's different. There are outliers. I, I think we all should should be able to you know, accept that. And so, I mean, I, I think he's that guy. Um, you know, he has not shown a, you know, the, the concern was after how many carries he got last year that, you know, you're going to see a drop off in production this year. And you've seen it from a lot of guys. I mean, it's not like it's a thing that's made up. I mean, time and time again, you've seen guys get that many carries in, they just drop off. Their bodies can't take it after that. Mm-hmm. This, this, that's different. I mean, you know, he's built like a transformer. And so, uh, you, you know, it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to watch him. It's so much fun to watch how he's grown into, you know, he was a guy when he, when he first got here, he was behind DeMarco Murray. And listen, there was a point, um, you know, three years ago where David Fluellen, who you've probably never heard of, was getting carries ahead of Derrick Henry in a game. Because they were just so frustrated with his lack of, he he was just trying to balance everything. Basically, you know, trying to run like a little guy instead of like, hey, get downhill. Then once you get past the line, you can make your moves. You can stiff arm guys and, and run away from people. Bully ball. Yep. So yeah, and so he has a you know, if you live around here, it, there's this. It's like this you know famed conversation that he has with Eddie George. And Eddie George basically tells him, hey, you're really big. Run over people, you know? And Derek, it's it's so silly to think that this is actually how it went down. But then Derek Henry's like, you know what? I am big. I will run over people. And so then after that, I mean, like, ever since then, it, he's been a different guy. And I mean, it's crazy. It, it's crazy. Like, the, the opposing teams should be terrified if they have the Titans backed up inside inside the, the, their ten, because he is, he, I feel like he has more touchdown runs of ninety plus than he does of nine or less. I mean, because it's just like they everybody comes and they stack the box, and if he gets that crease, he's gone. You can't catch him. And then if guys are running up next to him, he just you know throws them off of him. I'm sure you've seen the clip of Josh Norman where he you know just basically threw him to the sideline. So I mean, he's able to do that against. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the the I mean, greatest, the greatest, act yeah, like yeah. the greatest wasn't with uh, what's his fuck against the Ravens. Oh, yeah, Earl Thomas, where he, where he turned him into the Earl Thomas, you know, Earl Thomas talked crap throughout the week. Like, well, I, we see what he did against Patriots. He's not going to do that against us. And then, you know, but anyway, so, I mean, listen, it, it's fun to watch him. It, it's fun to, and, and, you know, we, we all want our, like, we want our players to really, like, love the game. And, and and care about it, and, and you know, like these guys that some of them just play because they make a bunch of money. Some of them do play because they love it. Derek Henry loves football. Like he just he just wants to play football. He wants to go out there and he wants to run over people. And so it, it, it's fun to have this dude who loves the game, who wants to be here, wants to be a part of this franchise, and to have him be able to have the success that he's had is awesome. And you know, they've been able to to build around him. They've been able to to tailor an offense that works with his skill set. 
with Ryan Tannehill's skill set, um, you know, and it's just been awesome to watch. And he just continues to do amazing things every week. And like I said, it's just it's it's fun to have that guy on your team. Derrick Henry and Chubb are the two best running backs in the National Football League. I will not hear anything about any of the other gentlemen with nose piercings or bull rings. Uh, it's these two guys are are the best running backs in football. Yes, we are both. And cream, yeah, <laughs> we are very biased. Uh, two fan bases right here, but it is what it is. I'm excited for the heavyweight matchup there. Um, so let's do it. Let's get into the predictions for Sunday. Uh, Raleigh, you want to go first, or Jimmy? You know, I go last. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, this is this is the game right here where, uh, the, as Titans fans, we're all a little bit afraid of because, it, it, like I said earlier, it just seems like whenever they start to you know, read their own press clippings or whatever, um, this, is, this is kind of where they have a letdown. I, I think this group is different. Um, I, I, I do think the Titans are the better team. I, I, I think it's I mean, I mean, think it's close, but I, I think the Titans are, are the better team. So, I mean, I, I think it, it's probably one of those games that's close for three quarters, but then Derrick Henry starts to you know, impose his will in the fourth quarter, and so the Titans win something – I don't know, 31-24, something in that neighborhood. That was close. I was going to go, I'm saying Browns 31-27 because I can't go against my boys, but I agree wholeheartedly it's going to be just back and forth, like just a heavyweight matchup. Uh, Wait, one more thing before Raleigh gets in, and then we close things up here. Uh, What's up with you guys going to the other team's logo in the middle of the field and jawing the sidelines and trying to start a fight (laughs) before the game even starts? Are we going to do this till like you lose doing that? Or like, wait, what's going on here? Well, it's not like so they do it every game, and it's not like they haven't lost. The, the thing against so we're not big Ravens fans, of course. So yeah, when right, right. the thing with Harbaugh last week was awesome. laugh out loud, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, Vrabel talked about it after the game, and then a little bit, you know, during the week last week. There, it's not a. They don't mean disrespect by it. That's just they get introduced to the team, they run out. And that's what they do. Um, so I, I don't know. Vrabel loves it. I mean, you saw him. Oh and yeah. Then after you know, he's like chasing John Harbaugh down to shake his hand. After the game, Harbaugh waves him off. Rabel still goes over to him. It's it's awesome. Um, but anyway, yeah. Who <laughs> was the coach years ago that yelled at the other coach for shaking his hand too hard? Oh yeah, yeah. What it was that one of the Harbaugh's? It was Jim Harbaugh, right? <laughs> that it was like Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz or something. <laughs> I feel like that's what it was. It's I think like so. The, I think so. Yeah. The, the emasculating firm handshake <laughs> of destiny. That's good stuff. Uh, Browns 43, Titan 17, let's go. <laughs> I like it. Well, I just hope uh, neither of our teams can take uh, any more injuries. Just hope for a good, good yeah. clean game, gentlemen, a good fun game. But, Jimmy, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, again, we're going to have all of Jimmy's contact info, his sites, his podcast, and episode description. But uh, best of luck on Sunday, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. It was awesome. Once again, thank you, Jimmy, for joining us this evening to break down the Titans game this Sunday. Oh, we actually asked him off camera what the name of the podcast means. Home Run Throwback is actually what was later referred to as Music City Miracle, the famous play. Look it up if you haven't. That does it for Raleigh and I for this week. We'll see you next week. Good night, Cleveland. Used to spend my nights out in ballroom. Liquor was the only 
But you rescued me from reaching for the bottom And brought me back Being too far gone Your old smooth Tennessee whiskey Yeah. 